Good morning. How is everybody this morning on this awesome Labor Day weekend? You've made it to another holiday. Um, so I hope you have something fun planned for tomorrow. Spend a little time outside, maybe eat some good food. Um, so Sean introduced me a, a minute ago, um, but my name is Casey Hardison. Uh, I work here part-time uh, with the middle school students and the whole youth group, uh, but I'm also a full-time grad student at Lipscomb University in Nashville. Um, and this entire year, um, the preaching minister here, Chris, has been talking about grace. And um, he started off with the series of Mindbender, where grace is not always what we expect. Um, then he talked about messy grace and that we receive grace in ways that are in the tough times of our lives. Um, with the gallery of grace, he talked about snippets of the Bible where... Um, we see God's grace in action. And then he talked about grace for the real world, um, where the rubber meets the road, and where uh, we experience grace in our real lives, like we receive it and we give it. Um, and Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. So growing up, uh, my parents had a rule book, and in this rule book, they, um, it had your basic rules, and it had the rules of like, don't hit, don't fight, don't lie, but what's different about this rule book is that my parents uh, gave my sister and I an opportunity to help make some of the rules, and then also help decide what the punishment was for some of the rules. And as a little kid, you're like, yes! Power. But, um, so that's a free tip for those of you who are parenting right now. But, so this was really cool. But it's really funny going back and looking at that rule book and looking through those rules um, because we came up with some crazy things. And probably the most crazy one in there is we had a rule that was no moving people. And you go, what? No moving people? Apparently it was a rule that was made because my, my younger sister Molly, who's two years younger than me, at times I think she would just get in front of me when I was doing something she didn't like. Or she would block a doorway if she didn't want me to go somewhere. And it was kind of, I don't know if it was exactly her way of controlling me or what. But, and so me being bigger than her, I just pick her up and move her. And, and apparently I'm not allowed to do that. Um, and so it's funny when, when, you, when you look at that rule and when you look at majority of the rule book, I think a lot of it was actually made for me. And it was made to, to keep me from, from picking on her and being the good older brother that I was. Um, and so it's funny when, when we look at the idea of, of rules and the idea of growing up and, and rules and regulations and as you get older you realize there's laws and, and there's different things, different guidelines you have to live by um, that can sometimes create worry or things that you're not as much aware of when you're a kid, but when you're older, you have all these things that you have to care about and you have to be aware of. So for this, I want to get uh, Nick to come up here and help me real quick. We're going to do a little illustration. So for those of you who don't know, this is my little brother Nick. He is a seventh grader. He's awesome. Um, so today, I'm going to let him represent all of you. No pressure. Okay. So for this, I want you to come up here to the front, if you would, and I want, so, so first off, I want to tell you Nick uh, is a soccer player. Nick is a cross-country runner, super athletic dude. He's in the band, does a lot of awesome things. So with him representing you um, and the idea of going through life, Nick, I want you to come up here to the front and just jump up on the first step. Okay, easy. All right, yeah, very easy. All right, now go back to the ground and jump up on the second step. Okay, it's still easy, still easy. All right, go back down, jump up on the third step. All the way. Oh, a little more tough. Now the real challenge. On the ground. 
jump all the way to the top without getting hurt. Oh, and he can do it easily, easily. Well done, Nick. Okay, so since Nick is representing all of you, it's easy to go through life, or when we go through life, when you're younger, it's like, no big deal, like, I can jump up the steps easily. But as you start getting older, you start developing worries or concerns. So for Nick, Nick probably has a test coming up soon that he's nervous about. So Nick, hold this as your worry. And also, you know, I said Nick plays, uh, or Nick's running cross country right now. He's got a race coming up. So he's got another worry going on right there. And, oh, let's see. There is, there's a cute girl in Nick's grade maybe that he might be interested in. He's thinking about asking her out. Real nervous with that. So we're giving you two books. But see Nick, with this, there's more people in here than you, the middle schoolers. So that means there's more worries. So if there's more worries, there are high school seniors in here. Thank you. And they are going off to college soon. So they got to decide where they're going to college. Oh, is it going to Here, let me give you a backpack. We'll make it easier. Here, you can put them in here if you want. All right, so there are high school seniors. There are also people in college, and <laughs> they have to decide what they're going to do for the rest of their life. It's funny, when you're a high school senior, or college, I'm going to need that in a minute, you literally have to pick your job for the rest of your life. So they're nervous about that, so you take that one, and there's another one. And they're also, oh, wait, we're going to need more than one for this one. We're going to need like three, because there are... So there are also some people in here that probably just finished up college and they've been dating somebody for a long time and they're excited about, oh, it's about time to ask them to marry them. And I know how it is. I recently got engaged. It's super exciting, but my goodness, it's stressful. So we're going to take three for this one. All right. And, oh, there are parents in here. So since there's parents in here, you know, they got to make sure they're parenting right. So you got another worry for them. And... There are people, we'll call them young at heart. How about that? So there are people in here that are young at heart that have, <laughs> it won't fit, that have, have like maybe some doctor's visits or have things going on. Their body doesn't work the same as it used to. And so you got worries and burdens with it. Here, I'll hold some of your burdens. Okay, so, so just close it up best you can. That's good. And, and just put it on your shoulders. <laughs> You're going to lose them. Here, I'll hold some more. We don't want to tear it up. Okay, just put that on your shoulders then. And we'll set them right here. We got too many. All right, so throw that on your shoulders. But wait, see, not only do we have worries in life, but there's also times that we make mistakes and we feel guilty. So not only are we carrying worries and anxieties, oh, we're also carrying the guilt of all of our mistakes. <laughs> so we got a lot of burdens in life. All right, so we focus on every mistake and everything that we have. All right, Nick, go ahead and jump first step. Okay, well done. Nick's still going through life. All right, go back down. Can you do the second step without hurting yourself? Oh, Nick still made it. Okay, okay, go back down. Can you hit the third step? Oh, he got it. And now the final test. He's feeling the burdens of life right now. Can you hit the top without hurting yourself? The running start. Oh, so close, not quite. All right, thank you. Give Nick a hand. You can leave him up here. Thank you, sir. But it's crazy when you go through life, you start building up all these anxieties and these worries and these burdens, and, and you're carrying the weight from, from guilt. And 
we, when we look back on our lives, it's easy to remember all the things we've done wrong. Or it's easy to look at all the things that we're not doing right or we're worried about something that's coming and it's these things that burden us down. And I think sometimes we even get in the mindset that, that God remembers these things. That God, because I can't forgive myself, like, oh yeah, God remembers when I messed up back in high school or when I was in college or when I didn't handle that right as a parent. And, but I'm curious, where did this idea come from that this idea that God is keeping tallies of all of our mistakes or that God is, is keeping up with the moments that we mess up? Because I'm so glad that my parents did not keep tallies of all the times that I messed up when I was a kid because there'd be a lot of them. And, but one thing I think it's interesting when we read through Scripture... And one of the main things that we notice, I think, especially when we're looking at the Old Testament, is where, is where people messed up and God punished them. Um, or oftentimes we see it as the wrath of God. And a lot of times when we're talking about, a lot of times we'll try to divide God up between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we'll say, yeah, in the Old Testament, he was the God of wrath. But, and it's interesting then, so when we go through examples, you can see in Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve, where they eat from the tree of life. Um, breaking the one rule that they had, and God kicked them out of the garden. Or Noah in Genesis 6, where the world has become wicked, and God wiped out the entire human race and started over with Noah's family. In Sodom, with Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18, God rained down fire and burning sulfur on the wicked city. And then the golden calf for the Israelites in Exodus 32, when they're at the base of Mount Sinai, God kills about 3,000 Israelites because they turned from God. Or the rebellion of Korah in Numbers 16, um, where Korah and other Israelites are frustrated with Moses and Aaron's leadership, and they're ready for new leader, leaders, so they stand up to them. And the ground opens up and swallows all of those that rebelled. And about 15,000 people died that day. In 2 Kings, you have the fall of Jerusalem. The great city of Jerusalem falls to the Babylonians. That's God's holy city. Um, and then the destruction of Nineveh in Jonah 1, where the Lord sees how wicked the city has become, um, and he sends Jonah to announce the judgment, his judgment against the city. But as I'm looking through these stories, and, and that's often the common response we see when um, we look at the Old Testament, but I'm curious, what if we're looking at these stories from the wrong perspective? What if we are really intended to see the mercy of God? So with Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, instead of killing them like God said he would, he simply just sent them out of the garden. Or in Noah in Genesis 6, where God was ready to kill everyone, but God chose to spare Noah and his family. He didn't wipe out the entire earth. In Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 18, God listened to Abraham's plea for the city, and God ended up forcing Lot and his family to leave, um, sparing their lives. With the golden calf in Exodus 32 and the rebellion of Korah in Numbers 16, only a couple of the Israelites died. He didn't wipe out the entire nation um, like he wanted to at times. Or with the fall of Jerusalem in 2 Kings 25, you know, the city fell, but God didn't kill the Jews that lived there. He simply sent them into exile where he later brought them back. Or the destruction of Nineveh in Jonah 1, um, in the, or in, Jonah, in the book of Jonah, where the people repent... And so the Lord spares them. And it's funny in this story especially because Jonah gets mad. He wants to see the destruction and he's waiting on it. Um, but it doesn't happen because God spared him. And I think it's also, you can also see the mercy of God in the New Testament. 
Um, especially in Mark 15 where, when Jesus is on trial. This is where Jesus is before Pilate and um, the crowd, Pilate says, who do you want me to release to you? And Pilate, uh, and Pilate says, who do you want me to release to you? And the crowd yells for Barabbas instead of Jesus. This is the part when you're reading the story, you're like, oh, release Jesus. Like, this is it. This is it. But the crowd is yelling for Barabbas. And in this moment, it's easy to focus on the fact that the crowd is yelling or demanding that Barabbas be set free. But when you look at the story of Barabbas and who Barabbas is, you realize that he is a revolutionary who has committed murder in an uprising. He has revolted against Rome, and in the process of one of those revolts, he killed somebody. He murdered somebody. He was a criminal on death row, but God chose to show him mercy. Scripture does not say anything else about him, but we know in this moment that he was offered life when he deserved death. And I think this is the moment where we see the beginning of God's plan falling into place. We deserve death, but God offers us life by showing us mercy. So if you want to open up to Galatians 5, you can. We're going to be spending the rest of the, this morning there. Galatians 5.1 says, So God has truly set us free. And this is the amazing story of the gospel. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He was the ultimate sacrifice, paying the debt that we all owe. And there is no debt that's too big for Jesus, um, for Jesus to cover. And you're never too far gone to receive Jesus' grace. There's story after story in the gospels of, of Jesus... Um, forgiving prostitutes, tax collectors, homeless people, people who recognize that they are broken and they're in need of a savior. In our day, that would also be prostitutes, drug dealers, homeless people, corrupt CEOs, people who are not living their lives like we as Christians would expect them to. But it's interesting when we get around people that are not like us, it kind of makes us go, ugh. Because they live differently than we do. Or you see this especially in the Pharisees when they're interacting, or when they see Jesus interacting with, um, with different people. They're like, why is he eating with them? Why is he eating with, the, un- with um, the unclean, with the sinners and the tax collectors? Why is he eating with them? And, and it's, it's crazy when we realize like, how much of a wall we put up when we're around people who are not like us. That makes us go, whoa, step back. That's uncomfortable. But then we really read, yeah, sorry. We read Galatians 5:19 through 21, and it says, "When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear: sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these." Let me tell you again, as I had before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's interesting when I read through this list, I realize that this list hits me and that this list hits all of us, that we all struggle with something on here. Um, But this is the beautiful story of God's grace because the story is not over because not only did Jesus die on the cross for for the forgiveness of our sins, three days later, it's funny, all right, I'm going to take a snippet. So how many of you, anybody over here a SpongeBob fan? Maybe you have kids that watch SpongeBob or you have grandkids that watch SpongeBob. It's always funny on the transition between scenes and SpongeBob, they go three days later. And so I see this moment where Jesus has died, everybody's sad, he's on the cross, he goes down in the grave, they're 
crying, and the narrator says, three days later. And then something incredible happens because Jesus rose from the dead, and he conquered death, um, offering us new life, a life filled with the Holy Spirit. And so if you have not taken that step in committing your life to Christ, and you're still, oh, carrying this burden with you, and let me tell you, it's so easy if that's the step you want to take. It's so easy to take that step because there's no certain criteria you have to meet to be a Christian. There's no standard of, of what you have to look like. You simply have to say, I believe. And in that process, we'll, we'll guide you in what it looks like to get baptized, to commit your life to Christ, to, to let go of the burdens that you've been carrying for so long because there's hope for something more. And I know that the Holy Spirit is working in all of your lives. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So maybe you're here today and you've already been baptized. You've made that commitment to Christ. But maybe you feel like you've kind of lost sight of the Spirit's guidance in your life. Um, you're feeling lost. You're feeling the burden of life. Oh, these are heavy. Feeling the burden of life. But then Galatians 5.4 says, For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, then you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. Or and if you're trying, you could also say, if you're trying to make yourself righteous, make yourself right by any means other than Christ, then you've lost sight of grace. And so I challenge you, talk to someone. Talk to a friend. Talk to a mentor. Talk to a parent. Tell them about the burden you're experiencing. Tell them about what's going on. Allow them to walk beside you, um, to pray for you. Allow them to help you drop the burden you're carrying because there's no reason for it to be weighing you down. I want, I want all of you in here to be able to allow yourself to experience God's mercy, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and allow yourself to be free. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Because up until this point, we have been talking about grace. And we've been talking about what Chris has been talking about this entire year. This idea of no matter who you are, where you come from, you have the opportunity to receive the love of the Father. But... Once you realize you have grace, and like Galatians 5.13 says, you, you realize you have this freedom, and you have this opportunity to serve one another in love, you come to a crossroads. And you come to a crossroads in your life. And you have a choice. You have, this is the moment you have a choice. You can either choose to use the freedom you now have to go back to the very sin that burdened you in the first place um, and indulge in the sinful nature of the flesh, or you can choose to use the freedom you now have to follow the Spirit and become 100% of who God designed you to be. Galatians 5.24-25 says, For those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. See, living your life in tune with the Spirit is living at a higher standard than the world. I think there's been much debate about why Jesus people live the way we do. Why Jesus people live, live the way we do. And why we live differently from the world. Because I believe we make an effort to not get drunk. Uh, to not have sex outside of marriage. To not do drugs. To not look at pornography. To not use cuss words. And we talk to and care 
for people that the world deems disgusting and undeserving of love. And some say that's just how you're supposed to live when you're a follower of Christ. And others may say, well, living this life is a reaction to God's grace. And I would say those are probably not wrong answers, but I think there is a deeper reason. I believe that every single person on this earth was designed to live the Jesus lifestyle. We're designed to love. We're designed to care for people. We're designed to live to do more. Um, to love the unlovable and to forgive the unforgivable. But it's a choice. Choosing the Jesus lifestyle is allowing yourself to become 100% of who God designed you to be. Because we're designed to care for the broken. We're designed to feed the hungry and offer the thirsty something to drink. We're designed to love the unlovable. You were designed for this. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the Holy, Spirit, sorry, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Because, see, we were designed to offer love to those who are alone. Joy to those who are sad and hurting. Peace to those who are stressed out. Patience to those who are angry. Kindness to those who are rude. Goodness to those who have little. Faithfulness to those who have been abandoned. Gentleness to those who have been beaten by life. And self-control to those whose lives are in complete chaos. And so, as Jesus people, we are called to be more, to do more, and to live more. And I pray that this morning you have been reminded of the grace that we all need. If there's one thing I want you to take away from today is that grace is not something that you work for. It is a gift that you receive. And this gift allows you to become 100% of who God designed you to be. And I hope that this week you can live to be 100% and you can experience the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So if you're here this morning and you realize that you've been trying to make it through life alone, maybe you're tired of fighting the fight, um, I pray that this morning you can come and lean on God's grace. Let us pray for you. If you're here this morning and you haven't committed your life to Christ and, and you realize you're ready to do that, it's such an amazing commitment. I pray that this morning you can come that we can celebrate with you. Um, and so I pray that, that any need that anybody has this morning or anything that's going on, um, I pray that you can just simply give it up to the Father because it's amazing. And so any need you have, uh, would you please come this morning as we stand and sing.